It's Tuesday, September 27th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Dishing out big, big savings down at MyPillow.com. You'd never guess it. Mike Lindell, the FBI's sleepiest most wanted. Mm. Still got the Percal sheets. 1998 six-piece towel sets, same price as well. In addition to that, original my pillows. Plus, they got the my bed, dog bed, Airlandell version twos. You name it, he's got it. If you're more of a morning person, got my coffee and a promo code steak at checkout. You get 25% off there. Check them out on their websites, mypillow.com forward slash steak for sleep related and mystore.com forward slash steak for anything morning related. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, want to know if there's any room at the Hotel California, get your ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our newest partner, the Patriot Cigar Company, has launched their premium handmade cigars out of Nicaragua made with 100% long filler tobacco aged at least three years to give you the best possible smoke possible. 15% off with uh, promo code TAKE at checkout. Free shipping on orders over 100 and every box of cigars comes with a $10 e-gift card on your next purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website of premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're new to the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating as well. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay for breakfast, Backs the Blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. And gold standard of tactical flair can be found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. 
friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode one seventy three. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hello. Guys, we've got a great show lined up. Dr. Navarro's going to be coming in a little bit later. We've got two America First interviews, but let's keep it rolling and head right into the news. She's not kidding. She's as serious as the moment we are currently living through. Our rights are under attack, she said. The sovereignty of our nation is under attack. And critically, quote, the prosperity and well-being of our families is under attack. And that's true. That's why it's resonant, because it's real and not just in Italy. It's true here. American families are facing the very same onslaught from the very same poisonous ideologies. The difference is that in this country, it's rarely acknowledged, except on the fringes. Moni is not on the fringes. She's the new prime minister of Italy. She will be, and she's saying it out loud. Contrast that to what's happening in the United States. House Republicans just spelled out what they're running on. It's a document called The Commitment to America. It's fine. Probably not much in it. You disagree with it. Have you heard of it? No, you probably haven't. You probably haven't read it. Nobody really cares. Why? Because there's nothing real in it. There's not a single word in that document about the attacks on the American family that you see every day. Hmm. That's at the center of most people's concerns. How are my kids? Will they have a life that resembles mine? That was called the American dream. Does it still exist? Will they be able to afford to live the way they grew up? Will they have the opportunities that we had? No. People are upset about that. Why wouldn't they be? But nobody says it. And that's odd because we know, and now it's been proven, that when politicians are brave enough to tell the truth about what's actually happening, they tend to be rewarded for it. Good points there by Tucky. Welcome to the show. Mm. And, of course, he's talking about the uh, fallout from the big election they had in Italy over the weekend where the uh, nationalist, populist, female candidate is now the prime minister-elect there. Yeah, where's all the I'm proud about the female getting in a position of power, people. Well, apparently you can't find her without um, f- having the words fascist. No, well, I saw that. And Yeah, all that stuff attached to yeah, her. Yeah, she's so. very, it's always right-leaning ties to the fascist, neo-Nazi, whatever, blah, 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 or neo, not some, not neo-Nazi, what'd they say? Probably neo-Nazi. Neo-fascist? Neo-fascist, There yeah. you go. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that Georgia uh, Maloney is probably the best candidate that Europe's had in decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, with her victory this week and victories that we've had, obviously, in Sweden recently. And then and who would have thought Europe was going to go based? Hungary and Poland now aligning up with them ideologically. And don't forget, we have coming up here just in a few days, the uh, Bonsolero, uh, hopefully, re-election campaign. They're, they're pretty much trumping him right now down in, in Brazil where he's having rallies and having hundreds of thousands of people show up, but they're saying he's losing by, like, eight points in the poll. So, <laughs> so yeah, the optics of what the reality of life is doesn't really line up with, um, you know, what's going on on the ground there. So we've got to keep uh, our eyes on the future alliance that we're kind of setting up there. And Tucker Carlson talked about politicians being brave 
and going outside of the box of the, you know, milk toast way people like Kevin McCarthy talk and act, he would follow up on that on that uh, monologue right there and have on one of our favorite guests, great friend of the show, endorser, and uh, guest next week, Miss Carrie Lake, to touch on this a little bit. Let's hear him talk with her. Oh, interesting. This is a change. If you're elected in Arizona, it will be a change. Donald Trump was a change. The people who are rejected by voters in this representative democracy that we have never for one second learn anything from that rejection. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I can't get into their minds. But I mean, I think of the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, the Congressman Paul Gosars, the Donald Trumps of the world, uh, what's happening in Italy, myself, the people who are truly understanding what's happening in this country, which is we're losing this country, are yes. the ones who are being attacked. And I, you know, I'm on the campaign trail. We're working six to ten events a day. We're working really hard. And I had somebody reach out to me the other day and say, Carrie, you are fearless. You are so fearless. What, you're not afraid of anything. And I stopped him and I said, actually, I have great fear. I'm not afraid of the fake news. I'm not afraid of the globalists. I'm not afraid of anything that I'm facing on the campaign trail. I'm not afraid of the cartels. What I'm scared to death like of that. is what happens if we don't step in right at this moment and do something. I'm afraid right. of the world that our children will live in. That's Amen. what scares me to death. Mm, she makes some really good points there. She always does. As we sit here on September 27th, which is exactly six weeks away from when we will head to the ballot box and cast our referendum on the Joe Biden administration. I uh, can't really say that I told you so, but you see tons and tons of the major influencers out there, all of the Dr. Oz non-appreciators. Uh, Mike Cernovich, namely, has been putting out, you guys got to go check out his Twitter if you're not banned from the platform <laughs> yet. Literally, his tweets are like, he's quoting tweets of radical progressive candidates across the country, especially people like, uh, Josh Shapiro and John Fetterman in Pennsylvania and saying like, oh my God, you have to vote. You have to vote. This is like literally the end of the Republic. And it's just like, does that mean you like Dr. Oz now? You're going to tell people to vote for him? Right. It's just so funny how when it was easier to dunk on what you as an influencer didn't think were solid candidates, now you know they're the only way out of this disaster. Yeah. And, and That Fetterman guy, it's like, I mean, maybe I'm just getting the catered... Um, select choices that are going to make him look bad, but that guy does not seem like he's all there. What's the matter with him? He's not. Well, he has like, a show. I, he's always I'm, wearing a hoodie like an old bag lady. Okay. Hides that big, there's like this huge bulge on the back of his neck. Right. And I guess that's why I'm like, Whoa. well, you just get a pack of hot dogs tattooed there. I saw, I saw that. It's <laughs> pretty good. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I mean, I mean, when, when it comes to, to who you want running, you know, but that's all they have. That's the best they can do. It's mind blowing. You know what else is mind blowing? This banger right here. That and the Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. No, no. He was trying to hype up the Eagle fans apparently in wherever whatever part of pennsylvania he was campaigning in and he said the eagles are so much better than the eagles and then he, like, he didn't know who the other team was or it just looked like he was really having a difficult time stringing something that wasn't on the teleprompter together well yeah but like every time i see him talking even if it's on the teleprompter it seems like he's really having a hard time stringing things together yeah debate's gonna I mean, be lit if he, if he does have like a medical issue like 
he should not be running at all. No, he shouldn't. And uh, it's a shame that he is uh, just in the human sense of it. Keeping it in Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, in Pennsylvania, for everyone that's listening right now and hopefully listens to the show today on Tuesday, Donald Trump's hosting a tele-rally with uh, Senator Mastriano tonight, looking to bring some more money into his campaign. And if you go to any of our social medias, whether it be on Instagram, Twitter, or True Social, um, you're going to find the number there to call in. I'll be in there tonight, hopefully get to answer or ask a question. I won't be too nervous, but I am going to jump in right at the 5 p.m. Eastern start time. So look for us in the chat, and and, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I know uh, Dr. Oz had one you know, late last week and, you know, all those guys from conservative Twitter were in there and, and people were asking in the comment section if he knew what Mehmet Monday was and they have officially confirmed they know what Mehmet Monday is. So <laughs> I know Jack Posobiec has kind of tried to hijack it and, and make it Mastriano Monday, but we've got Doug Vember. So we'll just leave it at that. That's mm-hmm. the way we uh, identify with our Pennsylvania midterm election. Pronouns really? He tried to for steal breakfast. it? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's tacky. And I mean, he's got a lot more reach, but just uh, if you go to any, Pasobic tweet that has like Mastriano Monday in it. You got all the Dr. Oz comments from mm-hmm. Con Ed in there. And uh, about Oz, though, because I haven't paid attention to his. He's doing great right now. Uh, he's anywhere between one point down, tied, or two points up, and depending on the poll you're looking at. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's really a, a good way of knowing, like, if they're keeping it that close with someone that everyone is saying could be a bad candidate, then you know he's probably up by three points. Uh, it's it's the same thing with Mastriano as well. And then we found out late last week, last week that Trump World's getting ready to launch the MAGA Inc. Super PAC, which is going to be funneling tens of millions of dollars into this uh, general election here for the midterms. And then the way that that PAC's, um, you know, the way they were written up is that that's going to be able to roll right into a potential presidential run as the official Super PAC of Trump 2024 moving forward. So... We're going to keep an eye on that and, uh, you know, definitely excited for all the stuff that happened in Italy over the weekend. And, and someone who's really good with geopolitics is going to be jumping in with us right now so we could touch on a few things uh, like that with him. All right, joining us first on the show today, he is the former assistant to Donald John Trump in the Trump administration. He was also the director of trade and manufacturing policy during that time. He's also a best-selling author. His newest, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back, is going to be screwing up the charts. I just finished reading it and am now listening to it on audio version. Dr. Peter Navarro, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, it's so cool to be with you. And, and um, the sophistication of that intro saying Donald John Trump um, is off the charts because he loves that uh, when he gets introduced that. So good for you. And yeah, taking back Trump's America for me, um, when I wrote it, I didn't think it would be as critical as it is right now, but the mission really is that right now and less than 40 days out from November, as I describe in taking back Trump's America, the road to the White House in 2024 for Trump goes through 2022 and taking back the House. And so um, we got to do that. Um, we got to take that gavel from Nancy Pelosi, uh, Pelosi's cold, cold hands, guys. 
No, we certainly do. We need to send her off to be the ambassador of Italy or whatever else she plans on doing in her next money laundering operation moving forward from Congress. But uh, the importance of what happens in six weeks from today can't be any less than, than you've already mentioned, sir, and outlined in your book. Uh, I, w- I do want to talk about some of the specifics of the midterms. We've seen a lot of different things going on over the last maybe two or three weeks and, and a month out since we've had you last on the show, namely uh, stuff that goes on, obviously, some of the regular from Mitch McConnell. You know, he was uh, very pushbacky on some of Donald Trump's picks right after the primary. Then it seems like he's kind of cooled a little bit and maybe spending some money in some of these races. But in critical ones, let's just say Pennsylvania and Arizona off the back, you've got Blake Masters, who's probably one of the most comprehensive Senate nominees in decades. And then in Pennsylvania, obviously, you have Dr. Oz, who I could see falling somewhere between like Ron Johnson and and maybe Rand Paul as that kind of a a senator, but voting always for America First uh, policies when he gets there. What are some of the things you saw that he's done to kind of like slow down these races at first and moving forward as we head towards the finish line here? What do you see these races are picking up? The, the polls have really tightened everywhere across the board, but I think Arizona and Pennsylvania are two of the flashpoints for the country. Well, there's two things going on. First of all, there was a um, an interval where Biden was passing all this uh, uh, legislation with Pelosi and Schumer on the Hill uh, that that appeared to be quote victories, um, but um, what's happened now is uh, we've seen the complete collapse of our financial markets, not just the stock market but the bond market. And and my training, you know, I got to be by the boss's side because I'm a macroeconomic forecaster who's got a pretty accurate crystal ball. And when you have the stock market going down, that signals recession, which we have. When you have the bond market going down at the same time, which rarely happens, that signals inflation because bond prices fall as interest rates rise. And so we're seeing um, arguably one of the worst uh, carnages in the bond market right now. That, That hits very close to home from everything from credit cards and mortgage rates to people's pensions and 401ks. So I think um, in the next um, less than 40 days, economics, inflation, stagflation is going to rise, bubble back up to the top as the, is really the only issue people are going to focus on. And at that point, um, we will see the Republicans, I hope, begin to widen the gap. Now, it's all contingent on um, some of these idiots in Congress. Uh, I'm talking about um, McConnell, 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 and, and others actually messaging things appropriately. It, it was comical um, in a tragic way when Lindsey Graham started to um, yeah. stoke up the fires of social issues again. I have a – there's a funny chapter in Taking Back Trump's America – uh, where the punchline is the boss needed to st- establish a Lindsey Graham free zone because that that guy was always poison when I was there. And I told the boss, I actually told the boss once in the Oval, um, boss, it's like um, whatever Lindsey Graham wants to do or, or recommends you do, if you do just the opposite, you will be just fine. And so, you know, if we if we don't fall on our own swords here doing stupid stuff, um, I'm um, I'm hopeful that we can we can win back the House with a 
strong enough majority. Now, if McConnell continues to starve Blake Masters, Herschel Walker, Oz, um, because uh, of their alliances with uh, uh, Trump Republicanism, uh, that would be just one more example of, of Mitch McConnell, the turtle, screwing us. Um, there's a there's a chapter in the book, uh, Taking Back Trump's America, devoted almost entirely to McConnell and his miscues. I, I don't know if you remember the history, but what Mitch did well was to move the uh, the judges appointees yep. that Trump proposed. He did that well. We, you know, we got that done, and it makes a difference. But just as just uh, as important was getting our appointees to the cabinet secretaries and undersecretaries and all of the departments and agencies across the deep swamp bureaucracies. He not only didn't do that in a timely basis, he actually slow walked a lot of our nominees who were Trump Republicans. And we were not able to drain the swamp as quickly as possible. So that's all on McConnell. Plus, he screwed up those Georgia special election um, races for Senate. He and Carl Rove, the uh, the anti-Trump wing of Fox News. So there's a lot going on here. I think one of the virtues of taking back Trump's America is it, it gives a very clear description of what we in Trump land and deplorable land stand for. And with that clear description, I, I think it should allow both candidates and voters to understand um, why we are who we are and what's at stake. And, you know, the, the simple thing is, if you compare traditional Republicans and Trump Republicans, we agree on uh, a low tax burden or we agree on a low regulatory burden for small businesses. And right. certainly all of us now agree on strategic energy dominance that Trump achieved miraculously during his term to keep oil prices down and us safe. Where the divergence, guys, is, is and this hits close to home where you guys are, the divergence is uh, on the border, where the, the, the McConnell rhinos, the Ryan rhinos want that border open so they get cheap labor for their corporate donors. And, of course, the big one, uh, which I was the tip of the spear on in the Trump White House, is bringing our manufacturing base and supply chains home to U.S. soil, not just to create American jobs, but for cost efficiency, uh, efficiencies here that, that, that lead to a safe and resilient supply chain. So... This is what's at stake, and I'm telling you, we have to take back Trump's America. This play, this country, if we don't do that, if we don't get that back from Pelosi, at least, um, it, it, we're not going to win the White House in 2024 because she's going to continue to use her investigatory powers yep. in an unconstitutional yep. way to screw the boss. No, she certainly is. You made a ton of good points there. You started with the economy and talked about now we've come to find this week that nearly $8 trillion in American wealth since the start of the Biden regime has, has pretty much been erased from from the economy, which is, is awful. It's 
sent us spiraling into a recession. We're probably heading towards a depression here with the, you know, heading into the winter months now. Energy costs are going to go through the roof. Plus, you have the holidays coming up as well. And there's the whole supply chain thing. You mentioned the issues with Mitch McConnell, which we always heavily outline on this show. We call it a little bit of Mick leadership. We've had McConnell, McDaniel, and now Kevin McCarthy, who rolled out that Commitment to America plan last week. Now, it's not as strong, but it does counter the Democrat narrative. We've seen everyone from Hillary Clinton and Saki to Joe Biden himself and KGP go out and say that the Republicans have no plan to combat the Biden administration after the midterm elections. They want to end Medicaid and Medicare. They want to end Social Security. They want to uh, piggyback off of the SCOTUS ruling for abortion, which is a completely fake narrative. But some of the things that were outlined from McCarthy and did get supported by Newt Gingrich, I think they met together to probably draft some of this. In addition, it sounded like he sat down with a couple caucuses, including the House Freedom one, uh, to get this legislation, uh, you know, combative proposal set up for after the midterms. Do you think what he's bringing to the table right now, and I'm talking about Kevin McCarthy as a potential Speaker of the House, is enough to uh, have the American people even more enthusiastic to go to the ballot box on November 8th? When... um when Newt came out with his contract for America, that was electric. Yeah. That was that was what that was pure meth to the veins. I mean, it 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 really captured the imagination of a country that 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 begged for leadership and and good for Newt. Um, this is not that. Um, this is McCarthy light, and um, I think part of the problem. Um, in the Republican House is we haven't had the kind of um, strong leadership in the public eye uh, to advance the Trump agenda. I mean, that, that is an issue. If you look at and that's why that's why we need to get some of these Trump Republicans um, elected um, in, in the House. And, and my admonition to people is like, look, find um Find a race uh, that you can make a difference in. Doesn't matter where you live. Find a what we call a toss-up race um, and uh, support that person with time and or money. And I'm I'm getting ready to release a list soon on that. But um, you know, there's 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 um, the Iowa three Zach Nunn versus Cindy Axney would be like a a perfect race to get involved, you know, axe the axne, um, the Caroline Levitt um, race in uh, New Hampshire won where she beat back $5 million of Kevin McCarthy rhino money and, and beat the, uh, the rhino by 10 points. Um, she, she's going to have a tough runoff um, on her hands. Um, there's a guy, uh, Peter Hernandez out in California. He's great. Running um, in in a, in a newly formed Latino district against, I think it's Elaine Luria, who is one of the impeachers on the select committee. Um, and for some reason, McCarthy has thrown in the towel on that one. It's like just he doesn't recognize, and I think these people inside the Republican Party are too close to it. There's a revolution in the. Uh, in the Hispanic vote right yeah. now where they're coming home to Trump Republicanism. They don't want these open borders. They don't want uh, transgender um, issues being taught in the schools. They don't want um, women's sports uh, to be defiled by men. Um, and so um, it's going to be interesting. And you guys do a great, great um, 
contribution to this whole thing by actually getting out there and talking about a lot of issues which um, the corporate media simply uh, in its wokeness won't cover. But, you know, the message is, is getting out, so we keep pushing the, uh, the, uh, the ball up the hill there. No, it's, it's, there's a lot of work to be done in the next six weeks, but people like you that are putting it out there on such a larger national platform and then some you know shows like us who could sit down with the actual candidates and get into a little bit more intimate and make them more marketable for people across the country to maybe nationally donate and, and support their campaigns are just some of the small things that we're all doing as part of our contribution. Dr. Navarro, last thing I wanted to touch with you on, it's something that was kind of... Now, I went and read both of your books. I'm, I'm almost through the audio version of the second one. And one of the undertones that I thought I wanted to talk to you about, just kind of get your view on, of, of something that was kind of like maybe a thorn in everybody's side. I, I don't know really how to put it into words, was the whole dynamic of Jared Kushner during the Trump administration. Uh, you, you, you were heavily critical of him in both books and some of the things he did that were not maybe America first and kind of even America last during the pandemic. And, and it's one of those things now as he's kind of taking a victory lap with his book. I wanted you just to maybe if you feel comfortable elaborating a little bit on for our listening audience. Sure. Look, the backstory on Jared, uh, and I did get along with him uh, when I was in the White House. There, there's no score settling, settling, as it were, with him. I'm just trying in the cold light of day, for the sake of history, to uh, explain what happened. He's, he was 30-something liberal Democrat real estate developer from Manhattan who had absolutely no qualifications to be at the senior level in the White House, which he was, and he never would have ever been there except for the, the family relationship. And uh, through uh, guile um, and Rasputin-like back maneuvering, he, for over the course of four years, he accumulated a very large power portfolio that even included running the campaign. And um, he, he failed in just about everything he put his hands on, took credit for things he didn't do. And I think, I mean, the poster child for it was the campaign. In Taking Back Trump's America, I go back to the beginning in 2016 and explain how that campaign run by Steve Bannon with 20 people on an airplane on Trump Force One and, and me and 99 other people in Trump Tower War Room in Manhattan. Yeah, it was like beautiful. We were underfunded and had half the money Hillary Clinton did. But she didn't spend it wisely. We did, and Trump won. Kushner, uh, I use the analogy of the way he burned cash. He was like a monkey with a flamethrower. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you know uh, Peter Thiel, yeah, right, the, the Silicon Valley investor. Well, at one point, he wrote a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to anybody, even Peter Thiel. And um, I, I relate in the Taking Back Trump's America book how that money uh, was effectively used for two seconds, two seconds of a Super Bowl a commercial that ran like 10 months before Election Day, right? I mean, it was just the big, it was like a monkey with a flamethrower, and that was Kushner. And the, the tragedy is it, at the end of the, uh, election cycle, like four weeks, two weeks out, we ran out of money, had to cancel ads, despite the fact we raised more than Biden. So Biden was spending more on, on uh, advertising in the final weeks of the campaign than we were. 
that's all on Kushner. And the other thing he did is he ran kind of the quintessential Hillary Clinton Hindenburg bloated payroll where he had these young kids running around with big titles, making six figures, sitting on their ass at home, uh, hiding out from the pandemic, not doing anything. And uh, the overhead nut was was formidable. So that alone, that alone, never mind he screwed up the pandemic and China policy, that alone, I think, um, uh, warrants the criticism I levy um, uh, of Jared in the book, Taking Back Trump's America. Yeah, it's definitely one of the things that I was able to identify as kind of an important point there. And moving forward in what would be a future Trump administration, what that dynamic of maybe him being involved again or not uh, could potentially be. Dr. Navarro, we, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. We know in all the things you're doing, whether you're jumping out of their shows, promoting your books, or just working real hard for these midterms to sit down with us and uh, give us a little bit of insight of what you got going on with you. We want to direct as much of our listenership to uh, either follow you on social media, wherever you're located, and then we'll live link your book description in the show today. Oh, that'd be great. So just go to PeterNavarro.com. That's the gateway to taking back Trump's America, as well as Getter, the Twitter killer, um, I'm at Real P. Navarro on Getter. Um, I encourage everybody to use a platform that is more elegant uh, than Twitter and won't cancel you. I hope you guys uh, are aggressive getterers, and um, it's it's really the way to go when it comes to social engagement. Sure is. We're verified on Getter, just like you, and uh, definitely use it as one of our platforms to get the message out. We'll be getting this message out today. This is the former assistant to President Trump, the director of trade and manufacturing. His newest book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back, is tearing up the charts. Listen, no one was harder on China than this guy, and no one is more right on the economy than Dr. Peter K. Navarro. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. All right, my brothers. Take care. Does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? Can you say more? Well, we know that thefts and robberies are up about 20% in the first half of this year, so I'm wondering if he thinks America's big cities are safe. Are you talking about the New York Times story specifically? Or yeah, is that what you're referring to? The murder rate still 30% above its 2019 level. They're all from the Council on Criminal Justice. So. Uh, we've seen some high-profile examples of this. The uh, Washington Commander's running back was being mugged. He got shot. Uh, Karen Bass, <laughs> member of Congress, had her house robbed. These are high-profile people. So should everyday Americans who are not in the public eye feel safe? So I'll, I'll say this. Um, that same story also uh, stated that the crime is complicated and multifaceted. Mm. Uh, look, this is a president uh, who has secured historic funding mm. uh, to make sure that uh, law enforcement has what it needs, uh, especially, and he was able to do this uh, in the face of opposition from Republicans. During a time uh, where, uh, where he inherited a rising crime rate from the previous administration, the president put forth the American Rescue Plan. And oh. in that very... In that very plan, uh, there was uh, more than $300 billion uh, to go to local uh, local states and local cities uh, to make sure that they were able to hire law enforcement. Ah, uh, but you didn't officers. say the law enforcement. They were enforcement. able to hire local states. Um, mm. You know, firefighters. They were you able to hire people that were critical uh, to oh, their needs oh, as they oh, were dealing with the oh. pandemic. Republicans voted against that. So they sure did because nobody wants to federalize state and local law enforcement, lady. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Oh, boy. You know, um, crime. Wait, I thought cops were evil and they shouldn't 
be in charge. Wait, and then you want to make mm. them more. Oh, stop it. Wait, what? We back the blue line steak for breakfast. <laughs> no, I do, but I'm saying like that's their argument. I know. No, their know. argument is that all cops are evil. They should be defunded. Blah 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 blah. But at the same time, let's federalize them and make them well, under cops, the government. Cops control. can't do their job because of social issues right now. That's oh. that's pretty much the answer for the administration. Well, I mean, cops can't do their jobs because of social issues. Yeah, I mean, if you say it that way. Um, that was White House press sec. Karine uh, Jean-Pierre yesterday getting peppered with comments on now, which has become a top of the ticket issue right behind inflation in the economy. You have crime slash safety coming in hot at number three and bumping the U.S. southern border down to number four in major issues for the midterm elections. But the percentages that they show importance are all from the extremely high 80s into the 90s. So they're all pretty much run hand in hand. And if you look at it in the way this administration has handled themselves since day one, they're all pretty much tied together. Um, so, Noah, you're going to like this one. I know I know you love KJP. Mm. So we're starting with her in News 1, and then we're going to end with the newly retired Jen Psaki at the end of News 1. Oh, isn't she torpedoing her own team she, recently? She made some comments over the weekend. They had comments. We'll get mm. to that in a bit, but... Peter Ducey asked I mean, her, I love when they start eating themselves. In a follow-up question about those comments, let's hear her reaction to his question. He says that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. Why would she say that? So, you know, <laughs> um, again, I can't do electoral politics from here, as you know. No, you can't. Uh, but I, I kind of I don't agree with your characterization of what she her, actually her what? said. Uh, but I'll say this, and I've already... Uh, I've already said this already. The past few months, what we've been able to do is create a pretty much clear split screen of what we are doing to deliver for the American people and what Republicans refuse to do. We are making sure that um, that uh, that we have Medicare and Social Security, and uh, we make sure that the farm, the, the big pharma, is uh, Am I is not absolutely uh, not cost uh, for our seniors, right? And making sure that uh, what about we when I'm give a them a little bit of breathing room. And you know, we have Republicans who want to cut Medicare. Mm. They want to sunset Medicare. They want to su- sunset Social Security. Mm. You have this GOP agenda that was put out by the House where they want to go after the Inflation Reduction Act, which will have an effect uh, that will actually hurt Americans. You know, I'm so glad she made that point there because I wrote some numbers down this morning when I was doing a little bit of research. Are you ready for it? You ready for that split screen? Mm. So on, let's just say on the left side, both figuratively and literally, you've Mm. got the Inflation Non-Reduction Act, right? supposed Mm -hmm. to cure all problems regarding inflation, even though we've seen it go up in the last quarter, right? I doubt it. Ready? Stock market, in the 614 days now since Joe Biden's held office. Ready for the number? Has it been 614 days? We have lost, erased, $7.6 trillion in American wealth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as she is saying those numbers, I would love a split screen of just that graphic there showing the reality of things Republicans are voting against. <laughs> yeah, th- those should be some of the biggest talking points uh, that were made. And, and w- when you factor that into, it goes into poll numbers. So, of course, they were going to hit her up on that because there were some new polls that came out this weekend that just didn't show Joe Biden's inflated. That's the only thing that's actually really inflated that's helping out the administration, his inflated poll numbers that still show him around 40% in some polls. There's no way that is happening anywhere. But uh, 
there were some new numbers when Democrats were polled by both the Washington Post and the New York Times talking about Joe Biden moving forward uh, and what his plans are for possible reelection. Let's hear it. I want to ask you about the the new poll that was out this weekend, this ABC Washington Post poll, uh, which is 56 percent of Democrats want the party to nominate someone other than Biden. And for people under 40, 75 percent want the party to pick someone different. Um, Is the president concerned by this? How's he digesting a number like that? So, as you know, I'm I'm very limited on on how I can discuss any kind of elections. Uh, I will reiterate uh, what? what we have said many times from here, what the president has said many times, even recent, as recently as his 60-minute interview, is that he <laughs> intends to run. Uh, don't have any more announcements on that. Okay, uh, so he continues to intend to run. What do you think about that, Noah? Um, I mean, yeah, he can intend all day. Antoinette, what do you think? It's a joke. I mean, I talk to people that don't even like Trump, and they're like, they don't even think that Biden's going to be alive by the time that time comes. That's so. a good point, but, uh, Has you know, never really been. we're going to get to in a bit, you know, who got re-rolled out this weekend to go around and make some uh, campaign-ish like stumping points on the road. You guys are going to be pretty terrified to hear it. However, let's check in on the 46th president of the United States and see how he's working extremely hard on behalf of the American people. I signed the biggest climate bill in history, the biggest ever, $369 billion to slash emissions by nearly half. This is a whole new chapter for America and for the planet. There has to, we have to do a lot more. I pledged $11 billion a year to help poor countries fight climate change. Working with Congress, with your help, we can get this done. So let's let's talk about this. You know, our currency on this show is border walls. Last week we sat at 22. So we had $3 billion. Wait, is some of the money that's going to Ukraine for climate change too? Well, we're going to mix it up now. Now it's not just going to be Ukraine. It's going to be to combat the Russians and global warming. Perfect. So at the U- at the UN General Assembly last week, he pledged three point something or other billion dollars to combat world hunger, complete money laundering. Hungry people in Africa will never see that money. That's number one. So that's one more border wall right there. You do the $11.5 billion to combat uh, climate change there. That's three more border walls. And then you add another $3.65 billion that was appropriated for funding, aid, and equipment to Ukraine over the weekend. That brings our grand total of, since Joe Biden took office in 614 days, for something we shut down the government, when Donald Trump was president, we have sent 29 U.S. southern border walls worth of cash, funding, aid, and whatever to combat the Russians in Ukraine and to fight global warming. And we didn't send it because we couldn't afford it, right? That's one of the reasons they... Oh, yeah. How dare we take away yeah. from, from the Department of Defense, the, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers, and all those other hardworking people. Perfect. Meanwhile, we're completely dismantling our military right now with the wokeness at the top and the infrastructure on the ground. Our economy is garbage because of all of this unregulated spending and almost the $8 trillion of dollars in American wealth that we've lost so far since Joe Biden's taken office. And this is where we sit. We are nearly 30 border walls deep in the pocket. That is a shitload of money. Yes. Yes. Well, you just keep printing it, so, I mean... Border wall money goes Bert. <laughs> yeah, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Not as ridiculous of who, as who jumped on with Bill Maher this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> You're... 
undisclosed location. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, listen, uh, we've talked about the midterms many times here. I, I think there's uh, sort of a bright spot there in the fact that the country is on the brink of disaster, which for the first time I can remember, the midterms are sexy. This is the one usually we had trouble getting people to go out and vote for. But now there's very high enthusiasm for a midterm election. So what, what do you think is going to happen? Um, well, just to, before I say what I think is going to happen, I need to preface it by telling everybody who's watching that um, everybody needs to show up. And you need to bring five to ten people with you wow. on election day. That is critical. That's a lot of people. But make it, you know, bring beer, make it a fun thing, have a party afterwards, whatever. But I honestly believe, Bill, and, you know, you and I are, are two well-known uh, pessimists, I think, and, and I have never felt this optimistic. And, I, and, you know, I was on your show here, um, what's now six years ago, when I said that Trump was going to win, and uh, the audience booed me, and you stood up for me. Um, I was just saying, what I, look, I'm out, I'm around, I, you know, I'm from the Midwest, I think I had a pretty good sense of what was going to happen. I think the opposite's going to happen this time. Mm. I think that that there is going to be such a landslide against the traitors, especially the 147 Republicans oh. who just hours after the insurrection voted to not certify what the elected president of the United States, Joe Biden. And I think that there is going to be so many people coming out to vote. I want to thank the Supreme Court for reminding women that they are in fact second class citizens and and taking their rights away like this. There are so many, I don't know if you've seen the list of states, starting with Kansas, which by the way, 60% of the people in Kansas a couple months ago showed up to say, no, we want abortion legal and we want it in our constitution. We want to stay there. And this is, I think that there's going to be such a massive that's enough of that fat boy right there. Prefaces and says, you know, like the last time I was on your show, I said Donald Trump was going to win just so like he could put that out there. Like yeah. he, he's this all knowing. And then he says, there's going to be a blue wave. He was right about the last, the, the next part was there's going to be record, record numbers and voting in it, but it's not. Here's a kicker. It's not going to go the way that they want to. That's for damn sure. Well, he's assuming everybody's as fucking idiotic and Trump deranged as he is. Trying to use law of attraction because yeah. he doesn't even believe his own words. <laughs> Speak it into existence. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And, and anyone who thinks a blue wave is coming. Remember, the Republicans have rolled out what is the start of a comprehensive plan to combat what this administration has done to this country with the commitment to America promise, whatever Kevin McCarthy thing, which I think is good talking points that need to be developed more. Uh, I know they did work with seven groups within Congress on the Republican Party and, and some of the moderate Democrats, including the House Freedom Caucus. So, you know, it's one of those things where we're going to see where this rolls. But, but right now, and when you walk outside of your house and you don't get mugged, raped, robbed, or murdered, and the, the state of everything else that is going on in this world due directly to the actions of the current administration occupying the White House, remember what their midterm campaign plan is. To say the Republicans have no plan, that the Republicans are going to end Medicare, that they're going to end Social Security, and that they're going to end the right to have an abortion. So while we've lost nearly $8 trillion in American wealth... And, and, the, and the other side is going to spend Social Security. Yeah. 
and, and the average American has lost $10,000 in personal savings in addition to all the stuff they have to cope with now due to the current economy and inflation. They're going to tell you that things that might happen 20 years from now, in addition to, you know, a, a fake abortion narrative that has never been the case and, and has nothing to do with the actual ruling that SCOTUS did, um, you know, it, it's going to be the absolute only thing that you need to focus on as a Democrat for the midterm elections. It just makes no sense. Um, hmm. Robert, Robert Kelly, who's, you know, the main, the face of Trafalgar polling, uh, came out over the weekend and did a couple of new shows. And, and I think this is a direct uh, combat to Michael Moore's narrative. And I thought it was really good to hear him uh, jump out there and kind of talk about shy Trump voters and, and, and what we saw back in 2016. Let's hear him with Dan Mangino. Robert, I got about a, a, a minute left, a little less. You have a really brilliant strategy where you guys ask the neighbors about how you ask voters how their neighbors would vote. How does that work? How do you eliminate bias that way? Well, what we would do is we would just ask, it was a device I learned a few years back. We, we would just ask people, you know, how do you think your neighbors are voting? It's a projection device, and it would allow people to explain that, uh, yeah, yes, maybe I'm, I'm for Hillary, but my neighbors are all for Trump. And it let them say they were for Trump without being judged. This year, our fear is that people are not going to be polled that are Trump supporters because of all that Biden has said and all the uh, apparent attacks and people coming after them, and they're just hesitant to even participate. I think everybody will underestimate them, including us. Republican turnout will exceed even what we predict. Folks, listen. What do you guys think of that? Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, when you're literally calling people fascists and, and the ruination of this country, it probably would, you know, uh, make them a little reluctant to. I, I do like that thing he did back in 2016, which probably led into the most accurate numbers of the Trump victory of anybody. He said, well, if you don't feel comfortable telling us who you're going to vote for, who do you think your adjacent neighbors are going to vote for? And then they would kind of get some polling that way. And it turned out to be closest, even though I, I do see a little bit of progressiveness in their polls, especially in some of the tighter races like Georgia and Pennsylvania. I, I do think that there's a lot of pressure from the left, uh, you know, to not tell the real numbers or, or maybe they just can't get them. Uh, a lot of people mentioned Hillary Clinton in the last couple of clips we listened to. Believe it or not, she was back out over the weekend and she was saying extremely positive things about the current Republican platform for the midterms. Let's hear it. As a, as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Mm, Trump is wow. there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour. Almost two. And you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, oh, what is going on? So there is a... Uh, real pressure, and I think I think it is fair to say we're in a struggle between democracy and autocracy. <laughs> what the? F she, no, she fuck off. She perfectly describes the Joe Biden Independence Hall speech with yeah. yelling and screaming with his arms up, and then she goes in to talk about how the Trump hashtag pedo Hitler. Yeah, the Trump Ohio rally, which we played almost in its entirety on this show as we covered it, uh, was just Donald Trump being himself. I don't I don't really see anything Hitler esque out of him when he goes and speaks. Um, yeah, any event when people are cheering, that's generally what they do. They're, 
their hands go up, they're yelling, yeah, they're doing, uh, oh, wait, maybe, people, maybe people were doing the wave and she thought that was everybody Hitler saluting in unison. They do do that there. Um, I, I did catch for our they last. They were doing double Hitler salutes. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> that, that, well, no, we're not going to get into that. In our last audio clip of News 1, I did pull and I did say I was going to bookend this with, with current and former press ex. Jen Psaki jumped on MSNBC this weekend to do one of their weekend shows ahead of the launch of her new show. Uh, which I'm sure is going to get big, big ratings, and hopefully <laughs> an, another one we send to uh, MSNBC Plus, like um, that guy that uh, moderated the presidential debates, and of course Don Lamont. Um, here's her talking about surprisingly the reality of what this midterm election is like. I'm not sure how this is either really effective or mm -hmm. you're trying to get the voter to take two issues and time together you're trying too hard. I don't know, but an interesting response. Yeah, I look, I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, mm. then they're going to win. Mm -hmm. um, if it is a referendum on the president, they will lose, and they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where mm -hmm. are people spending money and in Pennsylvania the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman right. because that's where they see his vulnerability so yes the economy is hanging over everything right. but you do have to look at state-by-state -state factors and crime is a huge issue in the way, Pennsylvania right so no lies detected there that's kind of like the harsh reality of it yeah I mean that was Saki right yeah She's yeah, different to me. Shitting on her own team. Yeah, well, she's not pathologically lying from the podium about stuff. She has no idea what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, but her voice in general. I was like, wait a minute. It, it sounded like her, but not like how I remember her from from the podium. Oh, she was being a lot less condescending and a lot less yeah. internal crying. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. I, I think there wasn't like, uh, you know, just what am I going to do with the rest of my day? I'm going to go pour bleach in my eyelids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gargle a little bit of it too yeah right before i have my uh nyquil <laughs> seasoned chicken patty for lunch mm. and, and i do like to identify the uh, fda does advise against that right all those shows that she jumps on in in, in donald trump related pronouns so that was uh she was sitting at a round table on meet the fake press with lion chuck todd moderating mm. so uh and, and all of them were kind of sitting there while she was talking and and half of them look astonished and the other ones were like shaking their head like uh don't say that or hey, why is she saying that you're fucking up our team yeah and, and that's the thing we've been saying it for day one almost a year and a half now if this election is simply a referendum on joe biden and his administration we walk and, and we get to 240 plus 53 senate seats and 35 ish new governors across the country getting our totals into uh, ridiculously positive numbers that are going to help move this country forward. If we continue to doom about candidates or worry about money or wish my person won in the primary, we might run into a couple hiccups and speed bumps. I personally don't see it. I think uh, gas prices are starting to go up again. Crime is obviously not going anywhere. Mm. Russia's ramping it up in Ukraine. The southern border obviously had its worst month ever in August. I'm assuming for nearly uh, the same or larger numbers for September when the numbers come out in just about a week now. And we can only really speculate on, on what we're going to do, uh, you know, as six weeks from now we will go to the ballot box and hopefully hold this administration accountable. We are going to uh, get a little bit of insight from two of the top candidates who are running uh, 
as Republican nominees on November 8th right now as we jump into some America First interviews. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the current mayor of Orland Park, Illinois. He's a decorated veteran and successful small businessman who's now the Republican nominee for Illinois 6. He's joining us again on the show today with a campaign update. Mr. Keith Peacow, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. No, we appreciate you, sir. Congratulations on the primary victory that you had not too long ago. In addition to that, we saw you went viral a couple weeks ago with the uh, Safety Act bill that's that's coming to an uh, Illinois resident near you soon. Uh, we shared it all over our social medias. You, you were talking at, at one of your meetings there and, and how uh, destructive this is going to be for the people of Illinois. Before we get into any campaign-related stuff, you want to jump into that real quick and talk about what's going on up there? Uh, yeah, the, so the Safety Act was passed in January of 2021, and of course it doesn't go into effect until January of 2023 because they wanted to make sure that it didn't impact the next election because it's such a horrible bill. Yeah. And uh, essentially it eliminates cash bail for almost all offenses uh, except the murder and class X felonies. And uh, the only uh, and then it, it, the other thing that it does that's really bad is uh, it lowers the uh, level of misdemeanor for trespassing so that it is a shall-issue citation offense, meaning that, we, that police can't lay a hand on someone to remove them from your property or your shed or your business. They can just give them a ticket. So the combination of both of these things is it's probably the most dangerous thing I've ever seen for public safety. Yeah, I, I, when, when you get to watch that video of you talking about it and how you kind of articulate it out there to just the reality of it, it it's extremely scary. We've seen this country... You know, pretty much since the summer of love, kind of spiraling into a, just a way of lawlessness compared to what historically, you know, the United States has been having for a standard of safety across the country. But in some of these major cities and now, you know, heading out to the suburbs, we're, we're, we're seeing it at like unprecedented rates since Joe Biden took office. Um, and that's one of the things when you when you look at the ticket, you know, you versus your your opponent right now. um, Sean Caston, uh, the only really things on, on the bill that, that really affect anybody that's going to go to the ballot box in your district on November 8th has to be crime, obviously, the ridiculous inflation rates and how that affects the entire supply chain, and then the economy. Um, campaigning on pretty much anything else, even though we know, you know, there's like a fentanyl epidemic, there's a crisis down at the border, geopolitics are kind of in the tank. But when you get into these specific House races and get away from, like, the gubernatorial and the Senate races, it's the things that you're going to represent the constituents of your communities for that's going to make a difference when you get up on Capitol Hill. you agree with that? I do agree with that. And, you know, so you take the Safety Act and crime. I mean, uh, my opponent supports the Safety Act. He supports, uh, you know, Kim Fox's policies here in Chicago. And he voted again. He voted on the floor in the U.S. Congress to strip police officers of qualified immunity, which is even worse than the Safety Act. You could never hire a police officer again to do that. Yeah. Um, he also voted against the ban on fentanyl federally, against the Violence Against Women Act federally. So he has a proven track record of being anti-police and soft on crime. And compare that to you know me and my town. I, you know We've taken a tough approach, a proactive approach, even living in Cook County. And we've lowered crime to the lowest level it's been in 27 years by proactively getting people off the streets that are criminals before they commit a crime against somebody or against property. And now with this new law, we're going to have a very difficult time doing that. So it's going to make it a, 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 a big challenge. And that's just on the crime issue. You know, we can talk more about the inflation economy issue as well. 
Yeah, how is that affecting the residents out there? We know that Illinois is one of the hardest hit states in the country up there with like California's and Nevada's of the world. And uh, you guys are absolutely reeling both in the job market. It seems like whatever, whoever was able to recover after COVID, and I always want to point out to our listenership, you as the mayor of Orland Park up there was one of the most non-progressive mayors in regards to fighting back against those COVID restrictions from top to bottom from the beginning to make sure that not only you guys were, were trying to stay open and trying to stay healthy, but you guys were you know, ahead of the curve in, in regards to uh, keeping the people that live there safe. But, but right now, it seems like if you were able to make it out of COVID, let's say you had a small business or you worked for a mom and pop, or even if you worked at a company that was looking to reduce after so much remote working during the pandemic, now the economy's like, if we haven't got the middle class, this is kind of going to be like the death stroke for them. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm driving right now, and I just drove past the gas station, $4.39 a gallon, uh, which it was two thirty nine when Joe Biden took office. I owned a, I used to own a, a business that was a tree service and landscape company. Our biggest expense after wages and, and insurance was was fuel. That will take, you know, four, roughly 4% off the bottom line um, by increasing fuel that much. So that's a, it's a pretty significant expense, and, and people have to deal with, they're making a choice between buying groceries and gas. And my opponent, you know, he... Uh, doubled down on Joe Biden's comments of a month or so ago where he said that uh, inflation was 0%. Uh, he has said that we're not in a recession. And my, my response is, if you can't even acknowledge that a problem exists, how can you possibly find a solution for it? No, that's true. And and when you look at the, the brass tax of it, you have been working out solutions for the constituents of the town where you're the mayor. Uh, you know, one of the other things your, your opponent uh, has got on the record of saying is that, you know, being an appreciator of sanctuary cities. Uh, it just seems so funny how the progressive left kind of melted down after the uh, Martha Vineyards incident. And then, of course, uh, Governor Abbott dumped about 200 migrants off on Kamala Harris's front yard in Washington, D.C., right around the same time. Um, you know, this all factors into the economy, into grades with schools and the educational system getting broken down with uh, migrant children being forced into a school system that they're not equipped uh, to be successful in. You're talking about this goes into crime rate. It drives down wages. It drives um, hardworking blue collar American citizens out of jobs. Now, now, even though it's not at the very top of the ticket, it's got to be like a one a issue. The the current situation at the border right now we saw the largest amount of apprehensions last month over 200,000 for the first time in recorded history in addition to that nearly 204 million people have crossed this border since uh the start of the fiscal year and probably over 5 million since joe biden took office what are some of the things you're looking for to work with your counterparts in washington dc moving forward in addition to all the other stuff you've got prepared to combat this migrant crisis and maybe even defund or hold up uh, funding for DHS until they can uh, actually do the job that they've been hired to do? Well, so um, so I would say there's a couple things here. First, so, so let's start locally with my opponent's support of sanctuary cities. Those migrants were also sent to Chicago, yep. which is a sanctuary city, and she turned around and shipped them almost immediately right back into my, my new, you know, my congressional district and into cities that are not sanctuary cities. And so there's a lot of issues with that. First off, you're treating human beings like chattel. It is unacceptable to treat human beings this way and put them on buses place after place after place. Second, we know that, they're, that they are not properly vetted. We've seen that from the Inspector General report. So we don't know, and some of those people are, are probably truly refugees, but some of those people may not be, and we don't have any idea. So 
This is very dangerous. My opponent supports it. At the national level, the first and foremost thing that we need to do to solve the immigration issue is you have to control your borders. You can't do anything else regarding immigration until you control your borders, because anything else you do, the borders are still going to be a sieve. So you have to control your borders. You can't allow people to come in that you don't know who they are and in violation of your laws. You also cannot allow people, something that's not talked about, you can't allow people to overstay their visas. Yeah. We have to know half the people that are here illegally overstayed their visas. So we need to know and be able to track people when they come here so that they can't overstay their visas. So once we do that, then we can address the people that are already here and have, a, and have an adult conversation about how to handle those things. I don't think there's anyone that wants to uh, ship someone who was brought here at two years old that's lived their whole life and they're 24 now and they're still living in the shadows. I, I think it's, it'd be cruel to send them to a country they don't know, right? But we can't, you can't address that issue until you stop it from getting any worse. So let's, let's, address, let's address the border, address the, the, uh, the overstay of visas, let's use technology. And the border, it could be a wall, but it can be technology too. Whatever it takes to control our borders in the various locations, we have to do that. And that's the very first thing that should be the priority. And you can't really talk about anything else until you do that. Yeah, it could be a big mass hiring of uh, Border Patrol and, and customs officers as well. I mean, it was pretty, you know, every year when appropriations comes up, it seems like there's no money in the budget to hire these officers, the people who actually work on the front lines. A lot of the ones who were exposed to the worst parts of the third world and wound up dying during the pandemic. But you can write 87,000 new IRS agents into the budget. And just like that, they get hired in, in one fiscal year. So stuff like that is unprecedented. And you make an excellent point. I really think part of this administration's play was to put as many bodies in between what they considered a protective class, things like DACA and, and, and that you've mentioned, uh, and all of the people who have come in this year, and now you've got a really big mess of people uh, before you can even start to think about that. So getting operational control back on our U.S. southern border, I agree with you, is probably the number one task. The visa thing has been like a scam forever. These people either overstay, they just fall into the wind, or they wind up finding people in the United States to get married to and have children with, which make them automatically move into the uh, you know legal permanent residentshipness of uh, you know coming to the country and there are other ways to do that that it has always you know there's been loopholes that have been set in since um, Alejandro Mayorkas was the head of CIS and he did a lot of these things as safeguards to make sure that migration would continue to be unmitigated. Keith, last thing I wanted to touch on with you is that, um, you know, you have probably more experience than a majority of the people who are running for House seats this year who aren't incumbents. Uh, you're a veteran. You've been a small business owner. You're a staple in your community. You're a local official there. What are some of the things that you absolutely know that you need to get with your uh, co you know, Congress people on when you get up on Capitol Hill in addition to the border right now. I mean, there's so much stuff on the do docket that, uh, you know, we've fallen off the stage in regards to leadership around the world. Uh, we're seeing a nationalist populist revival with places like Sweden, Hungary, Poland, and now Italy all joining with like people. Uh, Brazil's got a huge election coming next week where they, where they got Trump-like nationalist candidates coming out there. And, and then you see like a, a, just a major pushback on this like, one world government, you'll own nothing and be happy, live in the pods, everybody's going to drive electric cars, but we don't have the infrastructure for it. What are some of the things you're really looking forward to uh, getting in there up on Capitol Hill and working with your constituents on? Well, you know, I think that's, that's 
really important you mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, I have a broad base of experience. And one of the things I've learned from that is oftentimes the stuff that comes out of the federal government, and even the state government for that matter, it's the unintended consequences of well-meaning bills. It's all that stuff in the, in the inside of that bill that, that ends up being damaging to small business, damaging to communities. You know, it's the unfunded mandates. It's things that, you know, all of the these hidden regulations that are in there. And when you're the when you're a new guy in Congress, you can, if you go in there just yelling, "I want to get this done or that done," they're not going to listen to you, and no one's going to work with you. So what you have to do is, you know, it's it's a group of 435 people that have all been elected across the country. You have to work with them and develop relationships with them so that you can have adult conversations about uh, and civil conversations about how to solve the problems that American people need solved. And by building those relationships, then when you see a bill that comes through and you see, the, and, and you know, I read through it and I see the unintended consequences that could happen because of portions of that bill, I can have those conversations with people and say, hey, this needs to come out and here's why. And here's why I know, because I've, I've been a mayor. I know how this impacts my town. I've been a small business owner. This is the impact it's going to have on a small business. Right. And I think being able to articulate those positions can help, and building those relationships can help move make legislation better and also focuses focus us on solving the problems that american people need to solve they can solve a lot of their own problems and they don't need government and what, what did the uh, ronald reagan say the worst words in the worst words in the english language as i'm from the government i'm here to help <laughs> yeah no that makes so, that, that makes a ton of sense did you did, did you uh find it uh were you enthusiastic to hear the commitment to america that was rolled out last week by the republican party i was i think they're i think they're talking about the right issues um, I think those are the things that the American people want solved. So I think that's very important that we focus on those issues and we focus on the issues that where people, uh, the government play, has a role, but it doesn't have every role. And so let's focus the things that focus on the things that government should do to help people and not on the things that they should, that it should. No, I mean, that's it right there. And you're in the home stretch. It sounds like you're probably running between event to event right now. You're, you're on a busy schedule, and we appreciate you taking the time out of campaigning to stop in and give our listenership an update. There's a lot of people in Illinois who give us feedback on our social medias that are excited about your campaign, that have receipts from you being the mayor there, and uh, look forward to you representing them in the near future. Keith, we want to be able to direct as much of our listenership to help you out, whether it's boots on the ground in Illinois 6 or nationally with any kind of monetary contributions they can make. We encourage everybody to get behind those. American first candidates, not just donating to the GOP and the RNC blindly. Find the candidates that you know are going to hold the line up on Capitol Hill come January and support their campaign. So your campaign website and any social medias? Uh, sure. It's uh, KeithPeekaw.com. So K-E-I-T-H-P-E-K-A-U.com for the website. And then you can link to the uh, to Facebook from there, or you can just look up Keith Peekaw on Twitter or Facebook, and you'll find both. Yeah, the show will be up today, and we'll tag you across social media. We wish you the absolute best of health and luck down the stretch here on the campaign trail. We're now six weeks away from when people head to the ballot box. This is America First, the mayor of Orland Park, future House representative for Illinois 6, Keith Speakout. Thanks for taking time to come down with us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's an America First candidate running to uh, represent New Hampshire 2. He's now the Republican nominee there and joining us again on the show. Bob Burns, thanks for coming back with us. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's our pleasure, sir. First of all, congratulations on your big primary win not too long ago. Last of the primary victories, but uh, none more important than than seeing a place like New Hampshire. You, obviously, in New Hampshire, too, Caroline Levin in one, and then uh, General Don Baldock up in the Senate seat there. It looks like New Hampshire seems to be a little bit more than just in play for this upcoming midterm election season. 
Yeah, so um, a lot of excitement here. Um, all the races are really close. We're a big swing state, so um, I think we got a lot of good chance here. Obviously, the most recent polls have shown myself within the margin of error to, for a win, uh, which is kind of amazing because millions of dollars have been spent against me. And uh, as you guys probably heard during the general election, I I think I raised and spent less than a hundred thousand and. Uh, between, uh, you know, Romney back super PACs and my opponents, it was uh, somewhere around like $1.5 million spent against me. Yeah, I tell you what, both of you guys in those house races there had a lot to go up against, not just money-wise in, in the primary campaign season, but it seemed like the message that you're resonating, obviously you're America first, a lot of the uh, ideological uh, co- components of your campaign line up with Trump-era policies, and I think that's really resonating with people now when you talk about the economy, inflation, the border, crime, geopolitics, etc. All the stuff that's going on in schools. They obviously want to go in a different direction. You see most of the polls show anywhere between like low 70s to mid 80s for direction of the country. And that's across the board, both registered and legal voters. So I think that that pretty much led you were out there running around the entire time showing your face and meeting with the people during the primary election season. You have to contribute it to uh, the big victory you had a couple weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's the role voters that ended, ended up voting me in. And those are the ones that are being hurt most by the policies of this administration, particularly when it comes to energy, electric prices and uh, the price of oil. Um, the rural voters are the people who are going to make sure that I win. And I have a huge amount of the rural voters uh, in my district. My district land wise is about twice as big as the other district. And again, it's just a lot of rural voters and uh, they're the ones most fed up with these current policies. Yeah, you see a lot of small business owners out there, people who rely on fuel as a component to, uh, you know, a lot of things they have going on tied to their business. Anywhere between four and eight percent of their total business goes into fuel and energy costs, things that make the business run. And and it's really important that, you know, they they go out and vote for a referendum on these America last energy policies that the Biden administration has pumped out there pretty much since day one. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, you know, the Democrats have a single issue that they're vote, that they're running on, but we're talking about everything else from national security uh, to the supply chain to the cost of fuel. Um, you know, to the cost of uh, food when they go to the grocery stores, and that's what the Democrats don't want to talk about. I mean, they got one singular issue. And they don't want to talk about anything else. No, they certainly don't. And when they accuse the Republican Party of of not having any kind of platform to counter what's been going on for the last two years, we saw uh, probably future Speaker McCarthy roll out the commitment to America, which outlined several different ways, including of holding up funding for the government to keep it running if they don't want to start getting into a little bit more of an America first atmosphere. Speaking of which, let's talk about your uh, general election campaign opponent, uh, sitting Democrat, progressive House incumbent, Ann Kushner's uh She's got a long litany of track records that don't really align up with a lot of the things that, uh, you know, make the Granite State great again. Do you want to talk about uh, some of the issues that she's uh, kind of had with her time in Congress right now and how yours definitely are probably the opposite of that? Sure. I would never call it progressive. I would call it an opportunist. Um, (laughs) She is a person who doesn't take cash from people in New Hampshire. She actually hasn't really... um, appease the progressives she appraises uh, corporate america which is and the corporate PACs, where she gets the vast majority of her money i mean she sold out our country to the pharmaceutical companies um who've done a lot of terrible things like pfizer myelin uh, viatris uh moving the production overseas um she's never met a corporate pack or corporate money that she doesn't like 
Um, you know, I mean, these are the people who are in bed with the Monsantos and stuff of the world just because they can write a check. So, you know, listen, I would never call it progressive. I mean, she will be out there raising the, they called her on SNL, raise the roof Annie when she was out there dancing with AOC, um, when she was pretending to be AOC's BFF, but that was only because she was afraid that progressives were going to run somebody against her. She's not a progressive. She's not a moderate. She's not a Republican. She's not a Democrat. She's an opportunist. And she, is a tool of of the uh you know quite frankly the worst of what corporate america has to offer and they're the ones who completely entirely fund her campaign so just to clarify pronouns only when she's getting paid for it (laughs) (laughs) exactly i like it so so she is the embodiment of corporate america and pretty much everything wrong with the way government is ran these days that's that's great that you clarified that for our listeners i'm not against corporations and i'm not against free market i love both but let's face it a lot of corporate america isn't free market it's crony capitalism and and there's one thing that she loves is crony capitalism so i've worked in the pharmaceutical industry to try to make our drugs safer and cheaper you know the drugs that we use every day your statins your your uh, blood pressure medications your diabetes medications that's what i've worked on what she's worked on is uh, she was a lobbyist for corporations that represented things like date rape drugs and that's what she's gone out and lobbied for and i'm not even joking date rape drugs just as long as the bottom line is good for her and they're filling her pockets full of cash bob what are some of the things that have changed between running the primary and now into the general election that you've uh, matched up with this opponent? But in regards to like maybe ground game or advertising, some of the things that you're doing a little bit differently to kind of tweak it as you head towards the finish line here six weeks from today. Well, the first thing that's been crazy is people are actually just sending me money yeah. without even being called. Like, it's amazing because I think that our, our message is resonating with people. And, and it was funny because I was going through a lot of my donations and some of them are Democrats. And they're just saying that Ann Coster hasn't been out there for constituent services. She doesn't listen to people. The only way that, that someone's going to come in and talk to her is if they're going to get a check to begin with. She's totally abandoned our veterans. Uh, there's been people that have gone in there to talk about our veterans hospital here in New Hampshire. And she says, well, well, that doesn't concern me because it's not in my district. Yeesh. I mean, who says that to a veteran looking for health care? I mean, that's just absurd. So, I mean, what I'm seeing out there is that I'm getting a lot of people, they're coalescing behind me. There's amazing support from the ground roots, uh, uh, grassroots side and from the actual voters of New Hampshire. Yeah, you're 100% correct there. And it's one of the things that I think not a lot of these candidates, especially the establishment ones and incumbents who have been in in Congress, they think that when they're challenged with someone who might not be as nationally known or or they could use the maybe like, you know, someone who supports Trump era policies, they're not going to really resonate with the people. But we did see uh, the guy who's the major pollster for Trafalgar come out over the weekend and say, listen, it was a lot easier to try and identify who could potentially be a Trump voter in 2016. But when you're talking about these midterm elections, especially after how the Biden administration has demonized like uh, over 100 million people by calling them like pseudo fascists and all this other stuff that they're doing. It's almost impossible. But as we talk to candidates every week on our show, they're saying that the money from the grassroots levels, not necessarily the establishment, but those smaller donations from people, especially on the other side of the aisle, are starting to come in more frequently now. And it just seems like a lot of people, regardless of what they say on television, what issues are important, it's not going to be the Green New Deal and abortion and things like that. It's going to be the economy and safety and, and strong borders. And it looks like candidates like yourself are really starting to reap the rewards of that as we head the home stretch. Well, I hope so. And that's the way the polls are looking at the moment. So we can only go with it. And like, I don't think that we do live in a society at this day where I need, you know, $5 million on broadcast TV. 
to get my message out there. It's getting out there. Um, not that I don't need money. I mean, if any of your listeners want to send a donation, please feel free at burnsfornh.com. But, uh, you know, you definitely need a certain level, but I don't think that we need the levels that we've seen in the past to get the message out there. And the message is resonating. No, it certainly is. Do you see your guys, uh, are you going to debate before the general election? Well, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. I I think we've got three debates that are definitely going to happen. Um, hopefully we might get one or two more forums. Oh, that's great to hear. I mean, we've seen so much of it becoming normalcy now when there is a huge disconnect between like a candidate and and, and someone on on the Republican side that uh, there's less of a, you know, uh, for it to be important to kind of debate. You know, we see it like in the Carrie Lake race, some of the senatorial ones, obviously Shapiro and uh, Doug Mastriano as well. They're like literally hand walking John Fetterman to debate Dr. Oz and so on and so forth. But it's good to see that you guys are going to get out there and really lay out the issues for the, for the people in the Granite State there. Last thing I wanted to touch on, and moving forward, we're going to be talking with all our, our House reps on it. Uh, you know, the, it was the Commitment to America Act, uh, the combatants to the you know current Biden agenda that Kevin McCarthy rolled out last week and kind of went into the weekend spreading around. Seems to have got some, some solid support. I mean, I know there was a lot of committees that had contributions to this. In addition, it looks like Newt Gingrich had his hand in it. Outside looking in and someone who's going to be up on Capitol Hill next year, how do you feel that that's a... Uh, good start to an answer for what the current state of the nation is right now. Oh, absolutely. And, and we like to see leadership and stuff like that. And, and honestly, anything that Newt can bring to the table is awesome. I used to work for Newt. I worked for Newt for president. Um, I've always been an admirer of his um, and a former employee. Um, and then obviously this is what we need to see from Kevin McCarthy is to unite the party behind something like this commitment to America. And that's the type of leadership that we're looking for. Well, you make a lot of excellent points there, especially the one at Newt Gingrich. Uh, I don't think we've had a Speaker of the House anywhere close since he's uh, held the gavel. Moving forward, we could only hope that we'd get someone up there that can uh, show some strength and dedication to the American people that he did. Bob, I know you already mentioned your campaign website, but we do want to be able to continue direct as much traffic as possible. We're going to throw this episode all over our social medias and tag you, so if you want to share it, you very well can. And, and uh, uh, social medias and campaign websites so we could live link in the show description today. Absolutely. Burnsfornh.com. And you can do that with F-O-R or the number four, B-U-R-N-S-F-O-R-N-H.com. Burnsfornh. Google us. You'll find me. Um, you don't always find me if you just Google Robert Burns. Sometimes you get maybe a drummer from Le- uh, Leonard Skinner or um, <laughs> well, that's a, plus, <laughs> a poet you know. from Scotland or possibly a professional golf player. Um, there's a lot of us out there. Nice. So, uh, you know, Burns for NH and uh, Burns Congressman um, or Burns for Congress, you'll find me in Google. For all that listening audience today, I do have to make one visual here and, and paint in your head. You're going to see Bob Burns and all of his social medias. Let me tell you something. He has grown quite the most magnificent beard since the last time we've talked to him. <laughs> that thing is glorious, and, and, and we love it. Bob, we wish you the absolute best of health and luck heading down to the finish line here. If you mm-hmm. ever want to jump back on the show, just email us, and we'll get you out there. But besides that, thanks for coming out and uh, sharing your platform for the general election with us today. This is a congressional candidate, the Republican nominee, New Hampshire 2, Granite Staters. Get out there and support him. Bob Burns, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. Bye. It was good catching up with those guys, and we wish them the best in the campaign trail heading now into the last six weeks before the general election on November 8th. One program you note, I do want to wish all of our listeners today in the uh, sunshine state of Florida. Um, well, you guys are about to get hit with Hurricane Ian. I don't know exactly what the pronouns are for that hurricane. I heard he identifies as Cat 3. So... 
anyone that's listening to us over the weekend, whether you're sitting in line to either move east or get out of the state or you catch up with us a little bit down the road, we wish everybody safe travels and uh, hunker down because no one knows hurricanes better than the people of Florida and how to handle them as well. So you guys take care. Um, kind of close geographically. Donald Trump was rocking. Wilmington, North Carolina on Friday night. He held a Save America rally for some of the House reps there. Newly uh, endorsed Sandy Smith, uh, obviously Bo Hines, and uh, senatorial candidate Ted Budd. He kicked it off pretty well. This was one of the largest rallies I have seen in a long time. There was probably close to 40,000 people there. And, you know, when they would pan out with the cameras on Newsmax and Right Side Broadcasting and Real America's Voice, Donald Trump looked so small. Uh, you know, like he did at these rallies that were attended by ridiculous numbers of people back in 2016. And that was kind of the vibe I got. They were very loud and interactive. And uh, one of the things he led off with right on the beginning was that sham civil lawsuit brought down by a grifting failed gubernatorial candidate and current state of New York Attorney General Letitia James. Let's hear her lambaste her a little bit to get things started. So we have a document, hooks. They're talking about me with documents, and then they go back over the last five presidents. You take a look at that hoax. There's no better example of the left's chilling obsession with targeting political opponents than the baseless, abusive, and depraved lawsuit against me, my family, my company, by the racist attorney general of New York State, Letitia Peekaboo James. This raging maniac campaigned for office, ranting and raving about her goal. Her only goal is we got to get Donald Trump. We're going to get him. She knew nothing about me. I never heard of her. In fact, I was watching it and I said, boy, that woman's angry. I don't think she likes me too much. (laughs) All without having any evidence. She knew nothing about me. Before she had even begun her phony investigation, she went around boasting her plan to weaponize her office against me, probably working with the federal government, of course. Imagine my shock. Declaring, Mm. I look forward to going into office of Attorney General, New York State, every single day and suing him. I'm going to sue him. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to be so happy because I sued him. I like the guy in the background yelling, sue him. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, you know... It was light, playful, but still at the same time, it's just, like he said, another hoax and, and one of these things that you you really can't take any seriousness level on this. This thing is probably going to get dismissed, if not completely, uh, you know, he's going to wind up countersuing her and, and making her pay all the legal fees like he did with Michael Avenatti and Stormy Daniels. He did talk about two of the most important things that uh, the Trump administration can hang their hat on. Uh, when it comes to the economy and obviously all things related to trade. We live by two simple but critical rules. Buy American and hire American. Buy and hire. And I stood up to China like no president in history, taking in billions and billions and billions of dollars in tariffs and taxes. How many? No other president took in 10 cents. They never did anything. They came in and they raped and pillaged our country. And we never did anything. And we then gave $28 billion to our great farmers because our farmers were hit hard during the negotiation. You know, China said, we're not going to do anything. They thought that out, bluffed me and say, we're not going to do anything for the farmers. And the farmers came in. I'll never forget, they came to the White House. And I said, don't worry, we're going to help you out. 
I'll get some subsidy for you during this. Or, Sir, we don't want subsidy. Only group that ever said that to me were the farmers. We just want a fair playing field, a level playing field. I'll never forget that. I had 32 farmers in. They said, all we want is a level playing field. And I made the best deal ever made for farmers and manufacturers. And that was the deal with China. But then when COVID came in, I don't talk about it. I don't even talk about it. But it's been an incredible deal for the farmers. Oh, he makes a good point there. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's kind of a homage to Peter Navarro because he was one of the people that, you know, ran point on that China deal. And, and no one was harder on, on, on China than and Donald Trump and Peter Navarro, especially in defense of our farmers, where at one point of the administration and pre-COVID, China was literally buying rice from the United States. Um, and it, you, you couldn't even imagine uh, wrapping your brain around something that funny as, uh, you know, we thought Donald Trump was going to take office and, uh, you know, have his struggles in regards to China, which had been, like he said, destroying our economy for decades. And he went in there and regulated them in just like 18 short months pre-pandemic. So... It was pretty good to see him touch on that. He did get into some of the, uh, you know, dirty, rotten whatevers who are, who are running in this midterm election on the on the progressive side, in addition to some of the ones who are already sitting congresspeople. Let's hear him weigh in on that. Getting millions and millions more votes <laughs> in 2020 than we got in 2016. Everybody says, oh, you did so well in 2016. I said, we did much better in 2020. You know, we got 12 million more votes. I was told if we get the same number of votes, the same number, we can't lose. We got 63 million votes. I said, what happens if we get more? Well, then you definitely can't lose. We got much more. We got more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country by far. Far more than Obama, far more than anybody. Yep. But the good news is now we're leading Biden by a lot, and we're leading all of these Republicans by numbers that they've never even seen before, record numbers. And we may just have to do it again, right? We may have to do it again. We may have to do it again. They got the new signs. It says save America on one side and then again on the other. But first, we have to win a historic victory for the Republican Party this November. We have to swamp them. You know, the best way we can stop them from cheating, because they're cheaters, they're dirty, rotten cheaters. The best way we stop them from cheating is to swamp them. It gets harder and harder. Among our highest priorities must be to end the nightmare Joe Biden and congressional Democrats have deliberately created at our southern border we're gonna oh yeah that's a big one right there and we've been touching on that for a little bit over the last week it's be, you know one of the top five major issues for this election cycle and one of the things that uh i definitely think there's going to be a referendum on followed by impeachments probably article two for joe biden after afghanistan is article one and article one for alejandro mayorkas who's completely abandoned any of the responsibilities or oath to the constitution he took in regards to that job uh when he took over and uh you know, he starts to talk about the importance of this upcoming midterm election, and, and these representatives that are in there are the ones that, uh, you know, we've got, as far as numbers go, remember, some of them might not be as attractive or, or lucrative in regards to America First as we want, but stacking the chips and, and, and getting those numbers high, 235, 245, 
in the U.S. House of Representatives and, and sending Nancy Pelosi off into her retirement uh, is one of the things that we really need to focus on now for the last six weeks. The numbers we got are the ones we got with. He would continue to go down that and, and talk about it here. This is the year we're going to take back the House. We're going to take back the Senate. We're going to take back our country. We're going to take back America. And in 2024, most importantly, I got to say, Ted, I'm sorry, but most importantly, I shouldn't say that, Ted, but most importantly, <laughs> we're going to take back our magnificent White House. We're going to take it back. It's a big crowd. to hear that one just for the effect i think where he was going next which is obviously one of our favorite points of when he gets into that hole we're taking back the house and the senate and the white house is uh you know talking about the one person who they really need to get out of there and i think uh well noah's favorite mm. no i don't know what are you gonna say she currently holds the gavel oh mm. probably not Antoinette, you love her so much <laughs> Not. Yeah, she uh, she is definitely not having a good time up on Capitol Hill. But uh, I know that when we get together on November 8th, one thing is going to happen. Seven weeks from now, the people of North Carolina are going to vote to fire the radical left Democrats. You're going to send the great Ted Budd to the U.S. Senate. You're going to elect an incredible slate of true American first Republicans up and down the ballot. And together we are going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi's political career once and for all. <laughs> Got to get that last little part there. No, he was on one. You know, he, he, I didn't, I watched the whole rally from the beginning and it seemed like he came out hitting talking points. But then as that crowd got into it, you could tell he kind of, really started enjoying himself. And, uh, you know, he did mention Ted Budd already a couple times, and, and it was at that point that where he wanted to get him up on stage and, and, and have him give a little bit of his platform. Current U.S. House rep, soon to be senator from North Carolina, Ted Budd, let's hear it. The candidate, and is said to be the candidate of a thing called law and order. You know, that used to be a term you're not supposed to say. We'll say it all the time, Ted. Hmm. And as a gun store owner, Ted, we'll always defend your Second Amendment. So I'd like to ask like that. Ted Budd to come on up and say a few words. Ted Budd, thank you. Wow, Mr. President, I think I can speak for all of us here who are glad to have Donald J. Trump back in North Carolina. <laughs> Mr. President, I can also say that we are ready to stop the Biden Beasley agenda and make America great again. We all know that the Biden-Beasley agenda makes our life worse 
But our plan, Mr. President, it did and it will again make our life better. When it comes to the America First agenda, President Trump didn't back down. And when you endorsed me, you said, Ted, it's because you didn't back down. So I want to let you know that I'm not going to back down either, friends. Mr. President, we just want to say thank you. We want to thank your whole family as well. Now let's go win this for our country. Give him the bro hug. Nice. Thank you, Ted. Thank you very much, Ted. Great, great gentleman. He's going to represent you long and hard. Everybody needs to get out. Remember, it's November. You got to get out. We don't have a choice. We're not going to have a country left. We're not going to have a country left. You got to get out. You got to swamp them. That was pretty funny. He said it's going to represent you long and hard. It goes back to remember he did the inner cavern. Has anybody ever been to the inner, oh, inner yeah. cavern up in Alaska? Do you like the inner cavern? And then everybody was kind of like quiet. He's like, sometimes those jokes go right over your head. Let's move on. <laughs> but uh, I want to spend some time in the inner cavern. Um, he, he did have a couple more points to hit on before we, we wrap here with the Trump rally. Uh, one of them is obviously going up against this education cartel, uh, which which is absolutely ruining these countries. We, we talk about it frequently on the show. And and how test scores for kids, especially ages 9 to 11 right now, are at all-time lows, over 40-year lows. And uh, he wants to get into that and, and, and blow up the Department of Education. Let's hear him touch on it. Finally and completely break the radical left's corrupt education cartel. Think of it. I'm standing up here, I guess as a politician, I'm a politician. I never thought of myself as a politician, but I guess I am, right? But think of it. I'm, I'm actually talking that we're going to stand up for parents' rights. Can you imagine saying that like 10 years ago? They'd say, he said he's going to, I mean, of course he's going to stand up for parents' rights. Today, it's like politically, it, it's somewhat politically incorrect to even say it. We are standing up for parental rights. Can't believe I have to even say it. Can't believe I have to say it. Our children are captives to unhinged Marxist educators who are pushing inappropriate sexual, racial, and political material on our children from the youngest possible age. At long last, every part and every parent in America must be empowered to opt out of indoctrination and send their child to the public, private, charter, religious, or home school of their choice. They're going to do that. In addition, we will get critical race theory, another beauty, out of our schools, out of our military. I took it totally out of our military. They put it back in. And out of every part of our federal and state and local governments, we will also keep men the hell out of women's sports, right? It's one of my favorite parts of the rally. It's funny. I've said it frequently, and I'll say it again. When we went to the Arizona rally, you know, I filmed the outro and the intro and, and took a couple good pictures of him with all the people he called up on stage. But literally the only part of the entire Trump rally that I filmed to keep for my own personal is when he talks about the men playing women's sports and he does the whole like lifting yeah, yeah, up the yeah, yeah. it's like the funniest part and it just makes me laugh and my kids think it's hilarious as well because they didn't get what it was about at first and then we we started talking about it and i said yeah it's like when the guys go and play women's sports and they beat him in all the races and they're like are they gonna come play in little league no they're not gonna play in little league well who knows at this rate but it wouldn't be a trump rally if he didn't touch on the uh completely broken and destroyed southern border right now and uh 
we all know those reports that have been released through uh, DHS talking about how some of those countries in Latin America are literally emptying their prisons into NGOs and sending them up to the U.S. Let's hear it. This week, it was reported that Border Patrol agents have received an intelligence bulletin stating that Venezuelan dictator Maduro mm. is opening up all of his prisons and sending vicious convicts, and these are tough ones, charged with murder, rape, and other heinous crimes straight across the border and into our wide-open USA. Our beautiful USA is being poisoned. They're allowing their prisoners to come into our country. They're pushing them in. And it is indeed. This is an invasion. And the only thing that surprised me about Venezuela is what took them so long, because other countries all over the world are doing it. Last year, we were invaded by 129 different countries. Think of it, 129 people coming in, pouring in. And many of those countries, during the course of this year, they opened their prisons. I don't know what took Venezuela so long, but they've opened their prisons and they let the roughest, toughest people that you'll ever see. You'll never see people like this. You don't know about people like this in North Carolina. You have tough people, too, but they're people that like obeying the laws. They're people that love their police and respect their police and love their military. These people don't love their police and they don't respect their police. They certainly don't. And uh, it, it it's something that's kind of going under the radar just because of the catastrophe that everything else is right now and how close we're getting to the midterms. But that is something that is 100% real and something we need to all, you know, be aware of the, the level of animal that's getting released into our country right now. In addition to everyone else, that's claiming fraudulent asylum across our U S Southern border. Uh, hey team, I don't know if you guys heard about it. Uh, it was that thing that happened in North Dakota last week where apparently some 18 year old kid got into an argument with, an adult and the adult wound up getting in his car and running him over and killing him. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It was a, a conservative. Yeah. yeah. They had a, they Allegedly. had an argument and it was like, he, he thought they were going to come after me. So he literally got in his truck and ran him over. Yeah. Chased him down and ran him over. Yeah. And, and he called his mom asking for help, but I think his mom knew him. The, the kid did not know the guy. But no, but mom. the mom knew of him. And then, you know, you can go do a little research online. You could see the uh, part of the interview uh, of the guy who killed the kid. The guy was completely like, it was something normal to do. He's like, yeah, how long is this going to be? Like, I want to make bail and go home. He's like, I got a job. I got a wife. I got kids. I got, he like literally didn't give a shit that he just murdered an 18 year old kid. And then believe it or not, within 24 hours, he bailed out. He, he literally murdered a kid in cold blood or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as that kid is on the opposing team of the majority or whatever you want to call the majority of all these people that are in control right now, that's exactly what we're going to have happen. You're you're going to incentivize this kind of violence because, hey, this guy just fucking got off scot-free. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, that's what they want. Yeah, it certainly like if is. They can't, if they can't red flag you to death, they can't swat you to death, they're going to fucking actually death you to death. death, you to death. <laughs> no, it, it, it's 100% true. And, you know, where we see this is, is more common in places like Chicago and San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. Now it's coming to places like North Dakota, which I really didn't think I'd ever see something like this. The only places you've heard about it probably is on Steve Bannon's War Room, Tucker Carlson Tonight, this show, and at the Trump rally. Let's hear Donald Trump weigh in on what he's heard regarding the situation. Just recently, a young 18-year-old man from North Dakota, I'm sure you read this over the last two days, named Kaler 
Ellingson, a young man, so handsome, so handsome, beautiful, 18 years old, was targeted and killed, run down in cold blood with an SUV by a radical left maniac. He was a radical left stupid person simply because he was a Republican and he was so proud of being a Republican. And this guy ran him down and not one mainstream media network has even mentioned this horrible crime. Think of it. Now, think of it the other way. Think of it the other way. Supposing a MAGA person ran down somebody on the other side, it'd be the biggest story you've ever yeah, seen. Wall to wall coverage. It's a disgrace. You people should be ashamed of yourselves. You should be ashamed of yourself. And our hearts go out to the parents and the friends. This young boy, this was a young man, a wonderful, with a great future. And I'm just telling you, just so handsome and so beautiful and so great. And he got run down by a radical left nut job. Mm. Yeah, it's got, it's, a, what are you going to say, Antoinette? It's just, it really is so disgusting. You know, I, I have a son, I can't even imagine. It's, it's scary. These people are completely effed up. Yeah, and you just think the way these people think and and more often than not. That's what they think they can do. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, you see it in the news so often. The, the, the low bar that triggers these people into absolute meltdowns and occasionally, which is becoming more frequent, violence right now has just gone off the charts in the last several years and, and with, you know, our law enforcement across the country handcuffed um the threats of them losing qualified immunity across the board big pushbacks for that as referendums in this election as well uh it's really hard and and then you factor in the whole component of who's coming into this country um you know those people that went up to martha's vineyard and the ones that were shipped to kamala harris they were gotten out of there pretty quick they were all venezuelans who knows if they were those convicted killers that were serving life sentences in jail. And that's probably one of the reasons that they mobilized the National Guard. However, if they're dumping him in your city, a la Beetlejuice up in Chicago, which she literally went out and said, you want to know what? The MAGA Republicans think it's funny when these people get shipped here, and now they can deal with it because we're dumping them in their neighborhoods. Like, that's literally, they don't give a shit if these people come in and rob your house and kill you and rape your kids and do all this bad stuff. And, and, and we've really got to get people in office right now who are going to pump the brakes on this once and for all. Before we hit the outro, he did talk about one of the largest components of this whole thing and, and something that plagued him throughout the course of his presidency, even though he did a hell of a job of combating it. Let's hear it. This November, the American people are going to show this repulsive political class exactly <laughs> what we think of their lies, their witch hunts, and the corruption by voting in overwhelming numbers to throw them the hell out of office, starting with <laughs> this disgusting human being, <laughs> Leticia Peekaboo James. <laughs> We're going to drain the swamp. We're going to save our country. We are going to drain that damn swamp. And I'll tell you, I did a hell of a job. But that sucker is deep. It's deep. It's deep. They're bad people. They happen to be bad people. You, I don't know if you guys had heard this. Probably the deepest swamp of all. They're bad people. I don't know if you had heard that one before. <laughs> so, and, and, and that's, that's, there's a lot of truth to the matter there. I mean, he did do, do a good job of getting people in and out. But then again, he was forced 
to, to take on other people who, who have done an equally bad, if not worse, jobs, the Christopher Rays, the Bill Bars, the Anthony Fauci's and people like that, people who came to the front of the back end of the Trump administration and really have done nothing but a disservice to the American people. And, uh, you know, as we hit the outro here, which is everybody's personalized ending to each different campaign stop, we're going to uh, let that play for our listenership to enjoy, and then we'll uh, do a little brief discussion afterwards. Conclusion, our MAGA, Make America Great Again movement. To make America great again. I told that the other day. I was saying, please tell Biden, don't hit MAGA. It means make America great again. What's to hit? Can you imagine? They go after make America great again. But that tells you, sir. It's by far the greatest political movement in the history of our country, probably in the history of almost all countries. Together, we are standing up against some of the most menacing forces, entrenched interests, and vicious opponents our people have ever, ever seen. Despite great outside dangers from other countries, our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister, and evil people from within our own country. But no matter how big or powerful the corrupt, radical left Democrats are, we are fighting like nobody's ever fought before. I, I really believe that right now we are fighting like nobody has ever fought before. And you must never forget, this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. belongs to you. This is your home. This is your heritage. And our American liberty is your God-given right. They want to take God out of politics. No, we're not taking God. From Asheville to Charlotte, from Greensboro to Raleigh, and from Kitty Hawk to right here at a place called Wilmington. Have you ever heard of Wilmington? This state was forged by some of the toughest men and some of the strongest women ever to walk the face of the earth. Our American ancestors were backcountry farmers and frontier settlers, incredible people, woodsmen and craftsmen and workers and warriors who poured their love into this land for their families. And above all, they were proud citizens, fiercely independent North Carolina patriots who blazed their own trail and took orders from nobody. They forged the pathways, they climbed the mountains, they fought the battles, they conquered the dangers, and they tamed the unknown wilderness. They built the factories, and they gave everything they had to make America into the greatest and most powerful nation in the history of the world. But now we are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. We are a nation that has the highest inflation in 50 years and where the stock market finished the worst first half of the year since 1872. Likewise, we are a nation that has the highest energy costs in its history. 
We are no longer energy independent or energy dominant as we just were two very short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and many other countries for oil. Please, please, please help us, says Joe Biden. And we have more liquid gold right under our feet than any other country. We are a nation that is consumed by the radical left's Green New Deal, yet everyone knows that the Green New Deal will lead to our destruction. We are a nation whose leaders are demanding all electric cars, even though they can't go far, cost too much, and whose batteries are produced in China with materials only available in China when unlimited amounts of gasoline are available inexpensively right under our feet in the United States, but not available anywhere in China. We are a nation that ended oil exploration and production in the United States just as the price of oil reached an all-time high. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers, American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment anywhere in the world. And we are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people. And it will only get worse. It would never have happened with me as your Commander-in-Chief. And for four long years, it didn't happen. And China, with Taiwan, is next. We are a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never before. We've got a Federal Bureau of Investigation that won't allow bad election-changing facts to be presented to the public where Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation when they knew it wasn't, and the Department of Justice that refuses to investigate egregious acts of voting irregularities and fraud. And we have a president who is cognitively impaired <laughs> and in no condition to lead our country, which may very well end up in World War III. We are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is all you get, and they are the enemy of the people. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars it has taken from us to build a military to rival our own. And just two years ago, we had Iran, China, Russia, and North Korea in check. They weren't going to do a thing against us, and everyone knows it. And perhaps most importantly, we are a nation that is no longer respected or listened to around the world. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. 
And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty, freedom, and faith. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every single list. We are a nation whose once revered airports are dirty and a crowded mess, where you sit and wait for hours and then are notified that the plane won't leave and they have no idea when it will, a nation where ticket prices are through the roof. They don't have the pilots fly the planes. They don't want or seek qualified air traffic controllers, and they don't know what they're doing. We are a nation that has lost its confidence, willpower, and strength. We are a nation that has lost its way. But we are not going to let this continue. Two years ago, we were a great nation, and we will soon be a great nation again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. We will stand up to the radical left lunatics and the rhinos, and we will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. And we will never, ever, ever, ever back down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand a chance because we are Americans and Americans kneel to God and God alone. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun and it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious American nation. So with the help of everyone here today and citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you very much, North Carolina. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, and there would be some dance moves to follow. Nice. I don't know. What do you think? I'm giving it a uh, 9 out of 10. I think the energy level from the audience was probably up there as some of the best. Definitely top three of the midterm election cycle so far. And I thought where Donald Trump may have been a little bit reserved to start out, he definitely ended on a high note and threw every single person that needed to be thrown under the bus. 
adequately and then ran them over a couple times. Figuratively, yeah. of course, not like that 18-year-old kid from North Dakota that Oof. would be in really bad taste and, and not what us MAGA Republicans are doing as we head in, you know, down the stretch here. We're going to have some more Trump rallies on deck, and, and, of course, we'll be covering them like no other podcast, as we are the most America first of them all, continue to do. And uh, listen, Donald Trump's looking good. Energy level up. Looks like he's lost a little bit of weight. And uh, all we can do is continue to uh, hope that he, on the, you know, legitimacy of his coattails, brings all these candidates over the finish line on November 8th because uh, he's working really hard right now. He's doing a lot of things that most former presidents and definitely kingmakers of the party shouldn't have to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is because of the overall lack of spine in the Republican Party. We outlined that a lot with uh, Dr. Peter Navarro today. And uh, we will definitely be keeping an eye on it moving forward. Better than average way to start the week. What do you think, team? Had worse? Definitely had better. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode and would like to listen to the other 172 Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform or on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits go to our amazing guest that we had on today, former top Trump advisor, author of his new book, How to Take Back the Trump White House, Dr. Peter Navarro. In addition to him, two America First Republican nominees, Keith Pacow in Illinois 6, and Bob Burns in New Hampshire 2. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Who White Memes, the Patriotic Babes account, Ultra Garbaggio, and Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, remember, when you're looking to throw some cash at someone other than midterm election candidates, make sure you do it to our partners, because when you do that, all it does is help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Listen, Mike Lindell's doing a lot out there working on behalf of the American people. The least you could do is go and uh, treat yourself to an Air Lindell version 2s or maybe a little coffee. Um, when you enter promo code steak at checkout, you get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for everything sleep related. MyStore.com forward slash steak for everything breakfast related. In addition, you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment. The bestest headphones I have ever owned can be found at Odyssey. Treat yourself, make the investment. If you're serious about doing things like this, you want to invest with some great quality equipment like that. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. The Patriot Cigar Company. You want to get a uh, delicious cigar, you're going to want to go and check out what Alan's got going on. He'll be in to guest host on Friday with us as well. We've got these cigars that are getting 15% off with your promo code Steak at checkout. Free shipping on orders over 100. Every box of cigar comes with that $10 e-gift card towards your next order. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. He's via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. What do we got this week? Hmm. You could have a, well, if you're into that weird stuff and want Hillary Clinton calling everybody that goes to Trump rally Nazis, 
no problem. They'll throw it on a Kydex conceal carry holster. They'll get those orders out faster than ever before. Noah looks like he wants to take over and say something. What do you got? Or we could put the uh, the chairman of the EU-USA delegation saying, thank you, USA, for blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. Mm, I like that one Delicious. as well. StayReadyGear.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like everything they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. You can find them at MediocreMedic.com. And last but certainly not least, I just gave a little tappy to our uh, Zero Flux Duck we got in the studio here. If you still don't know, figure listen, it out. T-shirts, pins, flags, etc. plus the patches. Go talk to Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. We've got a pretty solid one. Courtney Geals, North Carolina 4, Republican nominee. Trump endorsed. In addition to her, we're going to have Cynthia Hughes, who's the founder and CEO of the uh, January 6th Patriot Freedom Project. And we're going to get an update from our great friend on a little bit of a reschedule, Mr. Clay Clark. We're coming back on the 4th next Tuesday. We're going to have J.R. Majewski. And we're going to do double editorial segments. Josh Hammer of Newsweek and self-invited for episode 175, Mr. Raheem Kassam. It should be a great episode. And we'll end the week hitting three big battleground states, three different midterm election nominees on the Republican side. Of course, everyone's favorite gold standard, Miss Carrie Lake out of Arizona, former Trump top administration official Max Miller running in Ohio 7, and Sandy Smith, who just got the Trump endorsement live at the rally this past Friday. It's going to be an awesome addition to the show to close out next week. We'll be back the following Tuesday on the 11th with Christina Bob and Liz Harrington. I've talked to them both. We might be able to get them for a roundtable. Should be pretty fire. We'll end the week two weeks from now with Devin Nunes, Cash Patel, Volume 2. And looking down the road a little bit, Paige Willie will be with us on the 21st of October. Friends of the Week. Got my list handy right here, so I won't miss anybody. Of course, our true social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten. Don't think we noticed the name change. We did. Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Suitcase, CSM Master, and Burger Man. In addition to them, big shout out to Conservative Election Twitter. I love it, and we love you guys. I'll see you guys in the Doug Mastriano Teller Rally tonight with President Trump. Some call me Tim79, Thomas Bama, and Ghost hammer round out our biggest shares of stuff and then let's jump into this meme community we got mostly peaceful c3p meme episode of uh number 11 of trump and sons was a banger dumbass photoshop madam america thanks for resharing that collab we did real brenda memes grand old memes not far out republican actual 2.0 and the real meme delorean guys thanks to remember between now and next show number one do your own research figure it out we throw a ton of information at you guys. Help us help you make your experience better. Go do some of your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Not bad. Can't make any promises for Friday because Noah will be out of the office. Boop. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about it enough. We talk about it a lot when we do the Trump rallies, but we need to start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 173 of the Steak for Records podcast. And we'll be back with episode 174 on Friday with Courtney Geal, Cynthia Hughes, and none other than Mr. Clay Clark. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Antoinette? Bye. Thanks for listening, and take care. New card.
What do you think? Whoa. Very nice. Look at that. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. Good coloring. That's bone. And the lettering is something called Cillian Braille. It's very cool, Bateman, but that's nothing. Look at this. That is really nice. Eggshell with Romalian type. What do you think? Nice. Jesus. <laughs> that is really super. How'd a nitwit like you get so tasteful? <laughs> I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. But wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. Raised lettering. Pale Nimbus. White. Impressive. Very nice. Mm. Let's see Paul Allen's card. Subtle off-white coloring. A tasteful thickness of it. Oh my god. It even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. 